The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. Therefore his power is most available when you witness for Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are channels through which his power is made manifest. Every believer can learn to manifest the gifts of the Spirit. Talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's been about 2 months I think. Uh we've been on the subject. We're going to continue on for a couple of more Sundays for this month uh as we um uh talk about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we just want to encourage all of us to open our lives to more and more uh, of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and and through us. And and I hope that over this series that we've been exploring uh you've you've grown in your experience of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. This morning we want to focus on another aspect uh of the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about the uh the power to witness and the gifts of the spirit the power to witness and the gifts of the spirit and uh, i know we're trying to compress a lot in one sermon but uh we just want to try to give an overview and a little encouragement to all of us uh, uh to expect uh to understand first of all and then to expect uh the power of the holy spirit to be released through our lives and the gifts of the spirit uh to be released through our lives and i just want to you know give us a little encouragement um in that uh, uh, uh one thing we must understand about the way god works god always finishes better than he started or he puts it this way in the book of haggai he says the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former that means the glory that you see at the end will be greater than the glory you've seen at the beginning now when we open the book of acts we see a church that was burst which was not a weak church it was a church that manifested the glory of god in such a powerful way that it threatened the roman government it shook the establishment Uh, of 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 the religious order of that day they were all shaken and the church was birthed through ordinary people fishermen people most most of them who were uneducated and the church was birthed with about 120 such people of such kind men and women they were not they were not men of great repute they were not men of great education or a great Uh, achievements and yet through these 120 people the then known world was so affected so shaken and the one determining factor was the power of the holy spirit amen that these 120 people that start, that the church was birthed with or through the one thing that made all the difference was that the holy spirit came upon them and they were so filled with the power of god that they went out on the streets boldly talking about jesus and demonstrating the power of god so the church the early church the church that jesus birthed was a very powerful church now through time a lot of this has been lost so the mandate that's upon the church of today is number 1 to regain or recover former glory 
And number two, to press in to greater glory. Amen? We are not only to regain or recover what was given, but we have to press into a whole lot more because God always finishes better than He began. The glory of the latter house is greater than that of the former. So that's what, that's the mandate, that's the challenge that's resting on you and me. That we have to be like the church of the book of Acts and better, greater. Because God is always going to finish up better than he started. Amen? And, and this, this message here this morning is a little encouragement in those lines along that direction. What we see in, in, in the Gospels and, and, and uh, in, 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 as Jesus began his ministry is that when he began his ministry, his teaching was great. People said that this man speaks with such great wisdom and with such authority. But not only was his teaching great, but his works were very great. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. And to sum it up, the Bible says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy, undo what the devil is doing. And the lives of people. For this purpose he came. So his ministry was very powerful. But what we must understand is. That he intended. For his followers. For his belief. For those who believed in him. To do the same things that he did. So he begins with the twelve. When he calls these twelve. His twelve disciples that he had chosen. And you read this in Luke chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. The Bible says. He called his twelve disciples. And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now look at his heart. He didn't say, you know, this particular kind of, this work that I'm doing is very exclusively for me because I am the son of God and you 12 disciples, you follow me, but you know, just too bad, you can't do what I'm doing. He didn't say that. He called them and he said, I'm sending you. To do the same things that I've been doing. You go heal the sick. I'm giving authority over demons and to cure diseases. Preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And he didn't stop with the twelve. He got another seventy. So read about this in the tenth chapter of Luke. In Luke chapter 10 verse 1 and verse 9. It says after these things the Lord appointed seventy others also. And send them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. She got another 70. Now we don't know the names of the 70. But what history tells us is that these 70 were part of the early church. Obviously. And they were, some of them became part of, of the ministry team that Apostle Paul had. And he named some of them. So we get some of, the, some of the names of these 70 people in the book of Acts and in the, in the writings of the Apostle Paul. But it was these 70 people that Jesus commissioned. He said, I'm sending you to go into the same places that I would go, into whatever city that, that I, would, I would go myself. And what should you do? Verse 9, heal the sick that are there and say to them the kingdom of God is here. Meaning, you go do the same thing. And then, this commission did not stop with the 70. 
Because after Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension to heaven, he calls his disciples. He says, I want you to go to all the nations, make disciples of all the nations and teach them everything that I have taught you. You pass on to them everything that I have taught. Whatever I've commanded you, you pass it on to them. So this commission to go heal the sick, cast out devils, demonstrate the power of God is now upon you and me. It has never been withdrawn from the church. Are you with me? It's never been withdrawn. Now, Unfortunately, the more educated we become, the more far away we go from God, although that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because now you've got all these kinds of theologies, theologies that are taught in, our, in, in seminaries and places like that, where you know, you've got this whole thing called cessationalism, which says, oh, the miracles ended with the apostles. No, it didn't end there. The apostles were given the mandate to teach all the disciples everything Jesus taught them, which includes... Heal the sick. Cast out devils. So we cannot embrace that theology. We cannot embrace cessationalism because it, it's not what Jesus taught us. Now before his ascension into heaven, Jesus in the book, first chapter of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 5, he tells his disciples, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit a few days from now. And then in verse 8, in Acts 1 and verse 8, he says these words. He says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now look at that scripture. Look at what Jesus said. How are we going to be witnesses? You will receive power. And that's what is going to make you a he did not say, you will receive a lot of arguments and take these arguments and go be my witness. He did not say, you will receive a lot of theology and take this and go be my witness. He said, you will receive power. And that's what is going to make you a witness for Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to, one of the things I want to impress on our hearts this morning is that if the primary way, and I'm not saying the only way, because I, I'm not against, you know, uh, reasoning. You find Paul reasoned. Uh, he discussed with people, and I'm open to that. I'm not against it, and, and there's a place for that. But the primary way you and I are supposed to witness for Jesus Christ is by the demonstration of, of, let me hear you please, of good theology, good arguments, no, the primary way that we are going to be witnesses for Jesus Christ is by the demonstration of His power. Because you know, for arguments, people can counter-argue. For all kinds of theology, they will come back with their philosophy. But when we demonstrate power, no one can argue. No one can argue. Because they see before their eyes something that has taken place which you cannot explain through some sort of formula. You cannot put God inside a test tube and say, if I mix these two things, I'll get God. It doesn't happen that way. 
It's beyond the realm of our intellect. It's beyond the realm of our philosophy. This is power. Something supernatural has taken place. Our only conclusion is, there is God. Amen? So the primary way you and I are going to be witnesses for Jesus is right here. He said, you will receive power. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, meaning I'm sending God to you. The Holy Spirit is God. He's going to come upon you. You're going to be clothed with the person of the Holy Spirit. So when I touch somebody, it's not my flesh touching them, but it's the Holy Ghost upon me that I'm expecting to get on them. Amen? It may be my hand contacting, but there's somebody who's covering me. He is the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. Now, if those of you who have read the book of Acts are very familiar with this. And we'll just look at some verses here this morning to see what the, how, this is exactly what the early church did. They demonstrated the power. And let me make this point here once again. In Peter's very first sermon in Acts the second chapter, Peter very clearly states... That what they are experiencing on the day of Pentecost was not exclusively for the early church. It was not exclusively for the apostles. But it was for as many as the Lord our God will call. He clearly states that. In Acts 2 verse 17 and 18, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel and he says, It will come to pass in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all Notice he said in the last days. He didn't say, uh, you know, it'll happen only on one particular day. But it's a continuum throughout this period that's called the last days. In the last days, throughout that entire period, I'm going to keep doing something. What? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all. Everybody. On all flesh. It's not exclusive for some group or some period of time in history. But it's Throughout the last days, the entirety of that period that we call the last days. Are we in the last days? Then this is this valid for us. He said, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. And your sons, your daughters, even your little ones, your kids will prophesy. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. They'll have dreams. They'll be inspired by the Holy Spirit and have all of these supernatural things taking place in their lives. And that's what that's the period we are living in, and that's what we must expect. Amen. So church is exciting. Being a Christian is exciting. Hey, because you get visions and dreams, and you get all kinds of things that God God is communicating with you. We're in that time. And he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then Peter says in verse 38 and 39, he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is to you, is to your children. Meaning, it's not just for this generation. It's also for the other generations, your children. To all who are far off. Meaning, it's not just for us folks sitting in Jerusalem. But it's for those folks sitting in Bangalore. Amen. For those who are far off. And as many as the Lord our God will. Meaning it's not just for the early church in 40 AD. No, it's for those people back over there in 2014. Sitting in Bangalore. As many as the Lord our God will. It's for them. Amen. 
as many as the Lord. So this work of the Holy Spirit, this promise that Jesus made, that you will receive power, is for you and me today. It's for you and me today. Now, like we said, let's just look at the book of Acts and see how the early church, what kind of power did they have? And, and let us pray and say, God, we need to regain this and we need to go past this. Uh, in, 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 uh, look at these scriptures in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So the power of God resulted in many wonders and signs. Verse chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness. It doesn't say with great sermons. I'm not against sermons. We do that every Sunday. But it says with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. So how are we to give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? You have three options. Great theology, great arguments, or great power. <laughs> With great power, we have to give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. When people say, how can you know Jesus is alive? You say, a dead man can't heal anybody. A dead man can't scare out devils. A dead man can't fix lives and mend minds. The fact that that's happening is is, 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 is a witness, it's a testimony, it's proof, it's unquestionable evidence of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Acts 5, look at this, and, and we need to see this happen here in Bangalore. That's my prayer. Acts 5, verse 12 to 16. And through the hand of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Or you could say they were all with one accord in St. Joseph's building. You know. Yet none of them rest there joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities. They came from Mysore, from Kolar, from, you know, from Bellari. They came all the way to Bangalore, bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And what happened? And they were all, if God did it then, can God do it again? If that was the kind of church that Jesus first formed, what kind of church are we to be? Much greater than that. Amen. So what must we be praying for? What must we be saying? Saying, God, if that's the way you started, I mean, you're surely not going to finish with us like this. You've at least got to put us back in order to the way things were in the book of Acts. And not only that, we know God, that you always finish a whole lot better with greater glory. Amen. So we as individuals and corporately as a church must say, God, we want these things to happen. You see, but pastor, you know, in those days, they didn't have Apollo hospitals. Okay, I shouldn't mention any brands here. Uh, they didn't have any hospitals. They didn't have any clinics. They didn't have any of these, you know, great things. <clears throat> 
I'm not against hospitals. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against science and medicine. Uh, it's great. And many of us sitting here are doctors and highly educated and all of that. That's wonderful. But you know, there's a lot that doctors can't do. There's a lot that medicine can't do. So every hospital should be referring them to us and saying, you know, this is a case we can't handle, but we would like to refer you to that church because Jesus is among them. Go there. That is supposed to be happening. That's what happened. Here it says, people came all the way from all other cities to this one place. Why? Because this was a people who had power in their midst. And they were not disappointed. It says they were all healed. They were all. If God did it then, I believe God's waiting to do it again. He's just waiting for you and me to wake up. And get a little desperate and say, God, our church, as nice as it may be, is nowhere close to what you started with. Could you please fix us? Could you please bring us back to that glory? And not only that, but take us to greater glory. Amen. I believe we're supposed to be praying that way. Because that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. One of the things that really uh, carried my heart is I said, God, make us a church that will impact our city. I know the scales are very different. Jerusalem may have had a few thousand people. I don't know what the population of Jerusalem would have been at that time. Let's just assume it was 50,000. I know the scale is very different. We, pro we probably have 8 million people living in our city. But whether it's 50,000 or whether it's 8 million, it's still like a drop in a bucket before God. But God is not like, ooh, see, your city is a little too big for me. I did it in Jerusalem, but Bangalore is a little too big. No. God's not like that. He is so big, bigger than this universe. So the size of our city doesn't intimidate God. I think what's... The only thing is he's waiting for you and me to wake up and realize what, how he began with us and where we are supposed to be and begin to say, God, that's what we want. We want to be a church that will cause tremors through our city because of the power of God being manifested. Amen? God's power is so strong here that people will begin to come from all across our city saying, I need to get there in that service. I need to get to these people because if one of those people pray for me, something's going to happen to me. Amen. Just read on some of the scriptures here in Acts chapter 6. Uh, Acts 5 verse 32. It says, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey so we are his witnesses and so is the holy. So we are a combo team. We are together. Both of us bearing witness to Jesus Christ. Acts 6 verse 8. says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. 
Stephen was not one of the apostles, just an ordinary believer. In, 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 a, in, a, in a today's context, we'll call him a volunteer. We'll call him Russia. He was serving food to the people, not doing something very prestigious. Just, you know, you want some food, you're serving food. But the Bible says that he was a man full of faith and power, and through him God did great signs and wonders. The point is you don't need to be an apostle. You don't, need to be, you don't need to be a big hotshot in the church to do these things. God wants to work through each and every one of us by his spirit. All of us. So, this morning, I'm going to emphasize these two things. That we are to be witnesses to Jesus Christ by the demonstration of God's power, signs, wonders, and miracles. That's how our city is going to know. Jesus Christ is alive, is true, is real, that everything we are preaching is true, is authentic uh, because of the power that we demonstrate. We need to press into that. And second thing that I want to emphasize is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us. So that's why we need to learn more about him and learn how he can work in us and work through us so that we can bear testimony or witness to the person of Jesus. I want to emphasize that. The world is not going to be impressed by our theology or our arguments or our analysis or reasoning because they can always come up with something bigger. But the world needs the demonstration. And the Holy Spirit has come to empower each one of us to demonstrate. From the smallest one to the oldest one, God can use all of us to demonstrate his power. But he empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. So his power is most available when we witness for Jesus. Isn't that logical? His power is most available when we witness for if we aren't witnessing, we're not really using the purpose of the power. So we all want to huddle together in a little nice place. There's nothing wrong in us coming together. We need encouragement. We need our strengthening. All of that is good. But, under, uh, but we come together to be strengthened so that we can go out to be witnesses. And as we bear witness, that's when we are going to see the greatest power of the Holy Spirit being released and demonstrated. So I want to encourage you and I. Let's go out. Let's take steps. Let's be bold. Let's start bearing witness to the Lord Jesus Christ at every opportunity we get. When you're walking down the street, in your school, in your college, in your, uh, in your place of work, bear witness. And as you bear witness, the Holy Spirit is there to demonstrate the power of God. Before I close this morning, uh, we want, I just want to shift focus here and talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. Now many of us are quite familiar uh, with these things, but I just want to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to pray and just see what God will do here this morning uh, in our midst before we close. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 11, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Let's just read that passage. And, and you've probably heard this many, many times, but let's just go through it and, and make a few comments here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11, Paul says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So when he talks about gifts, he implies that these cannot be earned. These are not rewards. Oh, you've been a good Christian. You attended church every Sunday. So as a reward, 
No, it's not a reward. These are gifts, meaning they are unmerited. They, they, they're not given to you because you merit it, but they give it, they're given to us because God wants to do this. Verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit, meaning there are different ways in which he, uh, different things he does, but it's the same Holy Spirit doing all of them. There are diversities of ministries or services, but it's the same Lord who is, who is being served. Verse 6, and the diversities of activities or operations, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So these gifts are called the manifestation of the Spirit. That means when these gifts operate, it is manifesting. It's revealing the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do you know the Holy Spirit is around? Well, He manifests Himself. How? Through these gifts. Right? So the Holy Spirit, we don't see Him. But we see his manifestations. His manifestations reveal that he is present and that he's at work. Amen. So it says the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one, meaning every believer. Every believer. All of us sitting here are entitled to this. It's given to each one. For what purpose? For the profit of all, for the benefit of other people. It's not given to me so that I become, uh, you know, a big shot. No, no, no. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of people. For the profit of people, their benefits. Are you with me? So, we're not desiring these gifts so that we put on a badge saying, hey, I got gifts, you know. No. If you've got gifts, it means you're a big servant. You're supposed to serve people. Because the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, to all of us. For what purpose? For the profit of all, for the benefit of people. So that other people can be served and encouraged and ministered to uh, by the power of the Spirit of God. We are just conduits. We're just Holy uh, Spirit agents through which he reveals himself. And then Paul lists some of these gifts for us. He says, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge. To another faith, to another gifts of healings, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all things, distributing to each one as he wills. So all these gifts come from the Holy Spirit. So I don't have them, he has them. So I can't go around saying, hey, I have the gifts. No, 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 you don't have it, he has and because he is in you and he is upon you, he operates through you. So it's not me having the gifts. He has the gifts. But he flows through me, through you. And he says, one and the same spirit. He works all these gifts. All of these gifts come from the same Holy Spirit. And he distributes to each one as he wills. Now let me summarize this. We're not going to get into an in-depth, extensive study. But I want to make some comments here and you can... You know, you can just trust me on this or you can go and study and, you know, get the assurance of it. But 
let's make these statements here. That all these are supernatural gifts. That means we're not talking about something that you acquire through your own abilities. These are supernatural. They're, they're working of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they are expressed through us as believers. Our responsibility is to covet, to desire these gifts. In two places, and I'll just mention this here in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Paul says, earnestly desire the best gifts. That means you and I must desire for this. See, God is not against us desiring for it. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts and walk the more excellent way of love. Combine the two. It's not one or the other. It's together. And then in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love. When it's walk in love, all of us are to walk in love. But he continues, and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It doesn't say like you walk in love and just leave the gift for somebody else. No. You walk in love and desire spiritual So all of us, our responsibility is to desire these gifts. Amen? That means you need to say, dear Lord, give me a word of wisdom. Lord, give let the gifts give me the gifts of healing now, Lord. I just there's a sick person in front of me. Give me the gifts of healing. Or a person is discouraged. Lord, give me a, a prophecy for this person. A person is facing a problem. Say, God, give me a word of wisdom for this person. That desiring is something you and I must do. Are you with me? The best gift is a gift that is most appropriate for the occasion. So if you if, if you if you're sitting next to a sick person, you don't need prophecy. What do you need? You need the gifts of healing. So what must you do? You and I must desire, say, Lord, please release through me the gift of healing. For whose benefit? For his benefit. For that person's benefit. It's not for mine. He is the one needing healing, but I must desire for the gift. The best gift, the best gift in this moment is healing. If, I've, if I'm sitting next to a person who has no sickness in his body, he's fine, but he's discouraged what is the best gift? Prophecy, right? Prophecy means to speak a word of encouragement, to speak what God wants to, that person to hear, to bring encouragement, edification, exhortation. So I must say, Lord, could you give me a word that would really encourage this person? Suppose a person, you know, he's not sick, he's not discouraged, but he's facing a real big problem. What's the best gift? He doesn't need healing. He needs a word of wisdom to know how to solve that problem so we must desire the best gift so at that moment you say lord uh, just give me a word of wisdom just one thing i need to say to this person that will help him find a solution to his problem but that desiring is something you and i must do not like okay you have a problem here's my pastor's number just give him a call you know that's not what you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do is lord holy spirit you're in me you've got all the gift I'm sure you know how to solve his problem. Could you give me a word of wisdom? Now, why is it called a word of wisdom? Meaning it's only a part of wisdom. He has all wisdom. He's going to give you a little piece of it. Amen? Just a word. Just that piece that you need to know that you need to speak to this person to help that person solve the problem. So, we must do the desiring. And here's what I want us to understand. When we do the 
desiring, the Holy Spirit will do the willing. You know, some of us excuse ourselves. Oh, the Bible says uh, he works as he will. So I'll just let him do it. No, no. He also said you must desire. So you first start desiring, then he will do the? But if you and I don't do the desiring, then he's not going to do the willing. We're not going to have anything happen. Amen? So start desiring these gifts. Let me just explain these gifts, then we will start, we'll pray. What are these gifts? Let's run, run through the list here. Now, because the Holy Spirit has his gifts, all of us can expect all nine to flow through us. It's not, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Holy Spirit. If he's in you, all nine can flow through you. What are these gifts? Let's just go, uh, go through them. Word of wisdom. It's a piece of divine wisdom that comes to you supernaturally. That reveals the mind of God, the purpose of God, the will of God. And it's used sometimes to solve a problem, to, what, to know what course of action to take, to know what's coming up in the future, to release creative, artistic, scientific, intelligent expressions of a concept or an idea. It's God's wisdom given to us supernaturally. It's not something we learned or acquired. In a moment of time, he gives you this word of wisdom. Look at, think of this example. I mean, there are many examples in the Bible, but look at this example. You know, the, the Pharisees, they want to trap Jesus. And so they come and they give him a coin and uh, they say, no, they come to Jesus and they ask him, say, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? You remember that incident? That's a very tricky question because either way he says yes or no, he'll get into trouble. If he said, yes, you have to pay taxes to Caesar, then they'll think, hey, he's supporting the Roman government. He's telling us to pay taxes. If he says, no, don't pay taxes, then they'll catch him and give him to the Roman soldiers. Hey, he's telling us not to give you taxes. So either way, he's going to get into trouble. How did Jesus handle it? He says, get me one of your coins. So they give him a coin. He says, whose inscription do you see on it? They say, Caesar's. And then Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Finished. Right? He answered their question. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. A word of wisdom. To know how to say, what to say in a moment. And so you could be sitting in your office, in your boardroom. You could be managing a project. You, whatever. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of any of that. You want a word of wisdom. You say, Lord. If I get a solution to this problem, my company can be blessed uh, or, or these people can be blessed or I can help these, whatever. This, the, it's for the benefit of people. Lord, give me a word of wisdom. How do I solve this problem? And that wisdom may come to you that moment. It may come to you in a dream. It may come to you uh, later on in the course of the day. You'll have an idea. But God is giving you a word of wisdom for the benefit of people. Are you with me so far? Right? And we must desire. He'll do the willing. What's the word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is a a piece of divine knowledge that reveals facts of things past or things present. God just reveals to you. You know, yesterday I was talking to Amy. Amy's at Velour. Uh, she's going through some training and she was staying in a hotel. I was having a conversation and suddenly I saw the number 318. And I'm talking to her on the phone and I see 318. So I say, hey, you're in room 318. She's like, what? How do you know my room number? Did I tell you? I said, no, you never told me. 
So how do you know? I said, I saw it, 318. She said, is the Lord showing you anything else? <laughs> Seriously, she might be watching us right now. Exactly, you know. So how did it happen? I saw it. What is it, a word of? Knowledge, meaning something God reveals to you about the present. A fact. And, uh, and, and sometimes it can be scary. You know. Sometimes when I'm praying for people, some of many of you have experienced this, and I'm not saying this is a bullshit or anything, but sometimes I can just tell them, you know, this happened seven years ago in your life. And so, oh, they know God is speaking. I never know, but it's the word of knowledge. God reveals something to you about their past or about their life. You know, Jesus was sitting with this uh, woman at Samaria at the well, and this woman had just come to draw water from the well. And he says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have any husband. He says, yeah. You've had five husbands before. And the man you're with now is not your husband. So he's like, you're a prophet. What was that? A word of knowledge. A, a revelation of the present. Something happened in the present or the past. But what is the ultimate result of it? It should lead people to glorify God. To say, God is in your midst. That's what happened to this woman. Well, her life got changed. And she went and called her whole village and said, Come and see your man who's told me everything I've ever done. And the whole village came and heard Jesus and believed. But it happened through one word of knowledge. Now, you and I must desire it. Desire, Lord, show me something. What's happening? And God reveals things to us. The discerning of spirits is basically to the ability to see what's in the spirit realm. Whether it's in the hearts of people or whether in what, what God is doing in the spirit realm or what the devil is doing in the spirit realm. That's discerning of spirit, your ability to see in the realm of the spirit. So God opens your eyes and says, okay, this is what the devil's doing. All right. Or this is what God's doing. Or this is what this was really in the heart of that person. Uh, there may be something on the outside, but the heart inside is not really right. They're coming with the wrong motivation, the wrong reason. You're able to discern. And that's, again, a gift of the spirit. He helps you to see uh, into the heart's people. Prophecy, as we said earlier, is simply God speaking a word of encouragement. And uh, uh, it's a word that, that, that God is saying, say this to that person. You know, the nice thing is today you can SMS prophecy. Right? God tells you something, hey, tell that person. You can tell the person, hey, listen this. You, know, you don't have to say, that says the Lord, just say the, say, the, say, say the word. And it will impact their hearts, it will impact their lives. Prophecy is you speaking what God is saying in the moment. It will just make a big difference in the lives of people. Diversities of tongues, there's the ability to speak in other tongues. Many of us here, we pray in tongues, we, we, we speak in tongues. The interpretation of tongues is just to interpret the message that the Lord gives. And the working in miracles, which is a supernatural intervention in the course of nature or in the natural uh, process uh, of events. It's a supernatural thing. So if a person is sick and the body is healed, that's amazing. But if they have a metal implant and the implant disappears, that is a miracle. Are you with me? So... Uh, uh, God does miracles and he works through us and we must desire those miracles. The Bible is full of that. Gifts of healings. The supernatural work of God resulting in physical and emotional healing of a sick person. The gift of faith, which is a supernatural impartation to believe God at that moment for something that you would normally not have believed God for. With your own faith, you may never have dared to believe God for something, but at that moment he gives you that faith and he says, I believe God will do it. That's the gift of. Now here this morning, what I want to impress on our hearts is, look, all of these are tools 
for us to manifest the power of God. Now we called an electrician in. He came here. We needed something to be fixed here in the building. We expect that he comes with his tools. He may come in. He says, man, I got a PhD in electrical engineering. At this moment, your PhD is of no value. Did you bring your tools? <laughs> because we need something fixed here. That's the same for you and me. You can have all the learning and understanding. I'm not against it. But listen, if we are to give witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to go with our toolbox. These gifts of the Spirit that manifest the presence and the power and the reality of God in our midst. Amen? We need that. I want to encourage you and I just to press in to the Lord. Press into saying, God, we need this. We need more of this. And through these gifts, we want to impact lives. I want to close with this here this morning. Is the Holy Spirit only in church or is he with you when you're outside? All right, let's try it again. Is the Holy Spirit with you only in church or is he also with you outside? The Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go. When you go into your office tomorrow, the Holy, Holy Spirit doesn't check out and say, hey, I'll wait you near the gate, the entrance, you finish your day's work and come back. He doesn't. He walks in with you into your office, into whatever you're doing. He's with you there. And in those moments, right where you are, you and I must desire the gifts. Desire. Say, Lord, I have a colleague going through a problem. Do you have anything to say to him, Lord? Let him press something on you, a word. Just speak it to him. Say, I, I just want to tell you something. You don't have to make it sound very spiritual. Anything. Just tell him. He'll come back to you and say, hey, how did you know? Wait, that word really meant something to me. When he comes back to you with that testimony, then you point him to Jesus. Say, so you know, the real reason why I told you that is because I felt my Lord, my God, tell me my Lord, his name is Jesus. I felt him tell me this. That's why I told you. That's why I did this. So you can point him to Jesus. But we must desire these things. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we just thank you, God, for the presence and the work of your Holy Spirit in each one of us. Increase this in us as a people, as a church. May we be able to take this out into the streets, take this out in the world where it matters. We just want more and more of the manifestations of the Spirit, Lord. So people in our city will be affected. Help us regain that glory, Lord, that, that you poured out in the early church. Help us to press into greater glory things that are greater that you have in store for us. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Go out through this week. Expect. Desire. Amen? Out on the streets and wherever you are, desire. Desire the gifts. Heal to the willing. Our part is the desiring. Encourage you to do that. Amen?
Amen. Let's close. Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks for this morning. We pray, God, that you will just increase your work in each of us. Cause each of us to move in the power of the Spirit. To see the gifts of the Spirit flowing through our lives. For the blessing of those around us. And the glory and the testimony of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.